In the ring with Eusebius Makaiser. Eusebius Makaiser. So Jacob Zuma has to go back to jail. That is after the Johannesburg High Court today delivered a verdict that uh, basically overturned the medical parole that had been granted to the former president. In this edition of In the Ring with Eusebius Makaiser, I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes explaining the judgment, what happened in court today, what was the court order in essence, the legal reasons behind it, and then tell you whether or not I agree with it. So Arthur Fraser had decided in his capacity as the National Commissioner of Correctional Services to grant former President Jacob Zuma medical parole, which allowed the former president to leave jail early while he was serving his 15-month term of direct imprisonment after being found guilty of contempt of court by the Constitutional Court and being sent to 15 months for doing exactly that, being in contempt of court. He did apply for medical parole, but the Medical Parole Advisory Board decided to decline his request, and it was overruled in turn by Arthur. And that's how we got to where we are today, where the decision had been taken on review by the Democratic Alliance with the legal assistance in terms of additional arguments from a couple of civil society organizations who acted as friends of the court, AfriForum and the Helen Sussman Foundation. And the court decided that what Arthur Fraser had done was in fact unlawful to override the authority of the Medical Parole Advisory Board and therefore him doing so had to be set aside. And then the practical effect of that is that the president had to go back to court. In addition, the court decided that the number of days that President Jacob Zuma had spent outside of prison while enjoying this unlawfully granted medical parole should not count towards the 15 months to which he had been sentenced by the Constitutional Court. So not only will the former president now go back to jail, but he's going back to jail and he will have to continue from where he left off, as if he had never actually been let out. So tough luck for him on that particular score. And then in terms of clarifying the law, the last part of the court order that's really important is that it made it abundantly clear where the authority lies when it comes to deciding whether or not someone who is applying for medical parole is indeed terminally ill or physically incapacitated. And it's only the board that can make that decision, not the commissioner. So that is what happened today. And that's the reason why he is back in prison very soon. As I'm speaking to you, I'm not sure exactly where he is physically, but unsurprisingly, his legal team has decided that it will be appealing this decision. Whether lodging the appeal itself will have the effect of him staying out of jail until that process is done, I'm not sure. I doubt that would be the case. Um, But the main news item today in our entire news cycle, quite frankly, is what has happened in court. So before I tell you what I think, I want to explain how the court had arrived at this decision so that you understand it. And the good news is that the judgment is very clearly written. It's pithy, in my opinion, compelling. And actually, it's it's very easy to understand the core of the court's reasoning. And what the court had said is, if you look at the Correctional Services Act, the relevant parts of it, and you read it with a plain interpretation based on just ordinary English um, language understanding, 
combined where necessary with the relevant case law, that first and foremost, it is absolutely unambiguous that the Medical Advisory Parole Board and it alone, based on a majority vote of that board members, the board members, must decide whether or not someone who's applying to be let out early on the basis of medical parole is indeed meeting the criterion of being terminally ill and or physically incapacitated. And so the board decided, no, that wasn't the case with Zuma. But Fraser didn't like the decision of the board and decided to overrule the board. And as the court said, quote-unquote, he usurped the authority of the board. And you can't do that. And really, we can end today's podcast right there because that's exactly where this case went south um, and couldn't be rescued for the state. He simply had no lawful authority for deciding to go against the evaluation of the board. The board had taken that decision and it alone exclusively has that power in law. And the reasoning of Arthur Fraser was something along the lines of, on my understanding, imagine I'm Arthur, the legislation allows me ordinarily to take this decision to decide who can get medical parole, but I can delegate that decision and I delegate it to the board. But actually, in this particular case, I take back that power that is delegated elsewhere and I want to take the decision wholly myself. And the court said, no, but you can't exactly do that. The decision to determine whether or not the former president is terminally ill and eligible potentially for medical parole is the decision that only the board can take. And so Arthur Fraser's decision was completely unlawful, simply because there was nothing in the Correctional Services Act that gives him the authority to be able to take this decision. So that's the first major point. The second major point to be made is that... Even if Arthur Fraser was allowed to take a decision without having regard for what the board thinks, and that isn't the case, Arthur must still have regard for the wording of the Correctional Services Act. The Act, Abel, says three things. You must be terminally ill or physically incapacitated. There must be very low risk of reoffending, secondly. And thirdly, we must know that there are practical arrangements for where you would end up once you leave prison. He met the third criterion. He's going to Nkandla and he'll have the relevant services to help him with his condition. But the other two he doesn't meet. I mean, there wasn't one single doctor that examined Jacob Zuma that came to the conclusion, Mr. Zuma is terminally ill or Mr. Zuma is physically incapacitated. Not one. There were two medical officers in the history of this little case that suggested he should get medical parole, but the problem is that their opinion doesn't match their assessment of him. Many of them say he's got comorbidities, he's losing weight, he looks increasingly fatigued, so we can glean things about his poor health based on the judgment. Some parts are redacted, which is a legal term to say it was scratched out so that you can't see it. And that's to make sure that his privacy in terms of his medical data are protected. But there's some references to organ damage. And there's a sort of allusion to the fact 
that something might be wrong with his colon and also with his kidneys. But here's the thing. You can't get medical parole just because your organs are no longer in top shape. You can only get medical parole if a medical officer says the following. You see Ms. McKay's is terminally ill. It's a strict legal requirement. And not one single person had made that determination. And so not only does Arthur Fraser not have the authority to do what he did, but even if he had the authority, he still needed to be guided by the criteria that I actually lay down in the act. And that means getting confirmation from a medical officer that the person applying for medical parole is actually terminally ill and alternatively that he's physically incapacitated. And Jacob Zuma doesn't meet that criterion. And again, that's a separate ground for not granting him the medical parole that he was applying for. I think my favorite part of the judgment, I said on Twitter, it's the spiciest part of the judgment, is when the judge says, and by the way, Mr. Fraser, even if the medical advisory parole board said, this guy's terminally ill, you still have a duty to, to, to determine whether or not there's a risk of him reoffending. <laughs> and then the court doesn't go the full way, but it basically says, if you look at the words that Zuma uses in his papers before us, he says, quote unquote, that he is a prisoner of the constitutional court and that he has been found guilty and been sentenced to, quote, detention without trial. That is important because what the judge is reminding the commissioner of is that Jacob Zuma is a constitutional delinquent. He undermines the entire judiciary. He compromises the integrity of the judicial system. And specifically, he does not recognize the authority of the constitutional court. Why does this matter for medical parole? Because in the first place, Zuma is in jail as a result of being in contempt of court. And in his papers to try and get out of jail early, he continues with his contemptuous attitude. And so the court is saying to Mr. Fraser, even if the board told you Zuma is actually terminally ill, which isn't the case, you might still want to doubt whether he deserves medical parole because medical parole can only be granted if someone is not going to reoffend, and this person is reoffending even in his argument before this court. And so I don't understand how, other than feeling emasculated, how Jacob Zuma's lawyers could so boldly assert, we will appeal, there are obvious prospects for success, because there are many arguments that are not even interlinked, that are separate arguments, each of which on their own are good enough to support the judgment today. And you're going to have to convince another court that each one of these arguments that are good enough on their own need to be struck down. You're going to have to convince the court that Arthur Fraser did, as a matter of law, have the authority to override the Medical Parole Board, which I think is an impossible hurdle, on a clear interpretation of the Act, just using the Oxford English Dictionary. And secondly, even if you manage to convince another court that Arthur had the authority to go through that process without having regard for the medical advice parole board, 
your next problem is convincing the court that Mr. Zuma is terminally ill. I don't know how you're going to do that because no doctor has said so. And you're also going to have to convince a higher court that this guy is not in risk at risk of of reoffending. How are you going to do that when he is already reoffending in the very papers before the court where he was trying to get out of jail early? So whichever way you look at it, I I I really can't see it. It's it's simple. Um and that's probably why this is going to be one of our shortest podcasts because what more can I say if an official of the state takes a decision that is not located within a source of law that decision must be declared unlawful and set aside it really doesn't get more higher grade than that i mean it it really is quite frankly that simple so what does i as eusebius the analyst think about this i think it's a fantastic decision i really i really do and i think so for a couple of reasons firstly as the court says we're not asking an innocent man to go to jail and i think i want to add to that and say if you if you are nice like my producer Abel and you think ah oh, shame man is an old timer he's 79 years old he's got many comorbidities just let the guy go home then i don't think you understand the meaning of the rule of law or constitutional supremacy because if you take seriously the importance of entrenching accountability entrenching the rule of law for the sake of our democracy becoming stronger then you have to be comfortable doesn't matter how much you feel ubuntu running through your veins ubuntu on fleek you have to be comfortable with jacob zuma being asked to go back to jail because if you are not comfortable with him going back to jail then what you are really saying even if you think you're not saying it what you are really saying is the rule of law is less important than being nice to a constitutional delinquent so i ask you as a regular listener to this podcast which is more important being nice to a constitutional delinquent let's call him jacob zuma or entrenching accountability and trenching the rule of law and trenching constitutional supremacy as a fundamental basis of our constitutional democracy i'm very clear constitutional delinquents must get their legal come upans their political come upans and what's most important for us as a country is to make sure that accountability becomes the centerpiece of our democracy and that is why this decision is so important as for arthur fraser he's an example of a reality that you and i don't want to deal with that state capture didn't end when zuma left the political stage clearly every part of the state to different degrees had been hollowed out during the zuma years many of zuma's lieutenants many of the goons are still around in the system and because president cyril ramaphosa has turned out to be a gigantic disappointment he has kept some of them on and one of the people that really should never have been kept on in the system is arthur fraser what he did here was not in a bona fide manner exercise his authority and accidentally overstep the mark this was if you know his history in intentionally bending the rules for the benefit of a personal relationship with Mr. Zuma that's what's going on here it is disgusting it is unlawful it is unethical and it tells us how much work we've got to do to get the state to be fit for purpose 
it also is yet one more data point among a thousand data points of how little has changed under the leadership of Mr. Ramaphosa. And I'm bringing him into this conversation because directors general serve under his behest. And it's amazing how many people that he can, across the state, get rid of and should get rid of, yes, kept, because he doesn't have the backbone to decide to place the interests of the country above the obsession with unity inside the African National Congress. So when all is said and done, yes, the possibility of dying in jail is not nice. Yes, it might feel embarrassing for Mr. Fraser to think of the prospect of someone like a former president dying while in jail. But all of those reasons, how will it look? Will it cause riots? Do we have the right kind of equipment to be able to deal with these comorbidities that are so complex in this person? They're not legally relevant. The only legal questions that are relevant are did a medical doctor say the guy term, is terminally ill or physically incapacitated? Is there a low risk of reoffending? Are we sending him somewhere where he will be taken care of properly and leaving the community around him alone? Only if the answer is yes to all of those questions do you grant him medical parole. In Zuma's case, the answer to two out of those three questions is no, and therefore he can't get medical parole. And any other consideration is utterly irrelevant in law. So I support this decision. I think it's important for constitutional democracy. And I think if you feel sorry for Zuma, then you are on the wrong side of our fight to entrench accountability and constitutional supremacy. 